Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. This is one of three episodes produced on behalf of the New South Wales Rural Doctors Network and provides first-hand information on what it means to be an RDN cadet. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. Dr Nicholas Island is about as laid back as you can get. But this Rural Doctors Network cadet has trod an extraordinary path through life. Expelled in year 11 for bad behaviour, he became a sheet metal worker and then a welder. But it was while he was working on oil rigs off the West Australian coast that this highly intelligent man realised something had to give. A university foundation course, followed by a rural medical school pathway, led to what he says was an incredibly supportive RDN cadetship and his dream job. Dr Nick Ireland starts by describing his arduous journey to Jeff Waters. I left high school at the end of year 11. I say left, I was told I wasn't coming back. At that time, I was doing a year at Hurlston in Sydney, boarding school, and I lived on the mid-north coast, or about an hour west of Kempsey. And I didn't want to go to Kempsey High or anything like that, so I moved to Mackay, where I had an uncle and my best friend growing up was living up there doing a diesel fitting apprenticeship. So I went up there with sort of no money and no plan and Second or third day I was there, I managed to land an apprenticeship in sheet metal with an air conditioning mob. That business closed down. I went and did other things and ended up going to like a welding and manufacturing workshop that did a lot of mining stuff in Mackay or Paget. Then was making not enough money to get by. I sort of <laughs> finished the week with $220 in my hand and then pay $150 in rent, put some fuel in my car and then two-minute noodles. I got pretty sick of that after a couple of years and I sort of moved back down to Port Macquarie for six months because it was near where mum lived, rekindled the relationship with my ex-girlfriend who's now my wife, Santhi, sort of picked up the welding and stuff again, went to Newcastle after that for Santhi to do uni, worked in shipyards and did a bit of sheet metal roofing. Only job I've ever been fired from actually, fired from being a roofer. We won't go into why. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to. I mean, I don't know how helpful it'll be, but I'm happy to. I always hated my job. I was never passionate about sort of sticking metal on other metal, but I did it so I could eat. I always sort of thought I'll enjoy it more if I make more money, you know. It's unsatisfying because I'm broke. So sort of got a job at the shipyard and then I went and did a few shutdowns in the mines and power stations and stuff. And that still wasn't enough. So I Applied and got a job doing fly in, fly out in remote Western Australia, Barrow Island, over there doing sort of pipe fitting and welding. You can't make better money than that doing what I do, unless you want to go and do it underwater or something. And I still hated it. Worst job I've ever had. And I signed up to do open foundation at Newcastle Uni, just like a six month full time uni thing where it's free and they just let you sort of take a few courses to see what you like. And at the end of it, they, collate your results and give you an equivalent ATAR that you can use to apply to other programs at Newcastle. Importantly, you couldn't apply for law, medicine and engineering with the equivalent ATAR they give you. So I was aiming for physiotherapy. After Open Foundation, I didn't get into physiotherapy because it's so competitive. I got into occupational therapy and thought I'll choose my classes carefully so that I can transfer into physio at the end of the year, still at Newcastle. And 
while I was doing that, in the first couple of classes I did, I sort of found I was getting really good marks and it should be very easy for me to get into physio, but everyone wanted to do the same thing. And the mark to get into physio at that time in Newcastle was pretty much the same as getting into medicine. And I thought, I've no idea if it's possible. Someone who didn't finish high school and, you know, is now 25 and I called a few people. I spoke to the sort of careers people at Newcastle and they weren't a great deal of help. And then I found that UNSW is starting medicine in Port Macquarie that next year, start of 2017. And my wife had just finished uni, got a permanent teaching job at Port Macquarie and had moved up there. So it just seemed like that would be perfect if I could get in. So I rang the clinical school directly in Port Macquarie and I got to speak to a lady named Sue Carroll, who is an absolute champion. And she had pretty well all the answers I was after. She told me it was possible. She told me about the rural pathway and how they make certain allowances for people from rural areas to get into medicine because we go to worse schools. And we sort of struggle to get that learning support and things like that. But you can be sort of just as intelligent and come from up River Hickville. When you put in the same program as other people who went to James Roos and got 99.9, you still, you know, you do just as well. So she sort of spoke me through the process of doing that, told me when I need to register for UMAT and sit UMAT about writing the essays for the entrance into medicine and what things to focus on because I'm going for that rural pathway. Before that conversation, which probably happened in March of 2016, I had no idea it was possible. Once I figured it was possible, I thought, you know, one, it'd be great to go to Port and be with my girlfriend, but two, I sort of had wanted to do medicine as a kid but then found behaving myself at high school way too difficult. So I just assumed that the dream was dead and I hadn't given it all that much thought for 10 years or whatever it was. So, yeah, once that became a possibility and I started thinking about it, that's when I was kind of like, this is what I want. What a wonderful story. And did you have to sit any pre-entry exam? Yeah, so back then it was the the UMAT, which I kind of enjoyed. I Everyone sort of said, oh, you can pay for training courses and you know, it's a very hard exam. We had a friend who'd sat it like four times or something. It's 500 bucks or whatever to register for it. So if I don't get in, I'm not spending another 500 bucks next year. That's crazy. No one had told me then how much physician exams and things cost. <laughs> and how did you go in that exam? Went okay. I mean, I got over the threshold for the year to get over 50% or whatever in each of the three categories of questions. I think overall it was sort of top 20-something percent of the whole exam, which I was amazed with. But then again, I just liked the questions. It was kind of I printed off all the practice exam things and sort of sat them around the house. And any time I was bored, I'd just flick through them, do the little puzzles. I was a big reader as a kid too, so all those reading comprehension and emotion things I found were, were pretty simple, although they're annoying. They're the type of exams where almost every answer is plausible and you could argue the case that you're right, but I thought it was good. How did you prepare for it? Kind of the way I prepare for everything, which is haphazardly and with no real organized structure. <laughs> One of the main things I did when I printed all those off, I put a big stack of the practice questions, you know, printed on paper next to the toilet. And any time I you know, go to the toilet, I just pick them up and do them <laughs> instead of, you know, browsing on your phone or whatever. <laughs> Occasionally, I would sit and do like half an hour of just flicking through questions and time myself trying to get sort of under a minute a question because I think it's a three-hour exam with 300 questions. So you're really pressed. Just tried to do them quickly rather than do them right. 
But, you know, as with most things, I tend to go into them fairly unprepared and see how I go. And you went well. You went very well. Yeah, I went pretty well. So did you have to do an interview as well? Yeah. So interview is the last step for UNSW. I missed the boat with the local interviews. A lot of the people I started with in Port Macquarie did their interviews in Port Macquarie. But because I was waiting on my first full year of study results for occupational therapy to complete my application, I sort of did my interview when everyone else was doing second round interviews in January, I think. It was late or 20th of January, somewhere around there. And so, yeah, I went down to Sydney and mum bought me a nice suit because I'd sort of gotten around in jeans and thongs for the previous 25 years. Put a nice suit on. I think my brother helped me choose a tie and he's very fashionable. I was dressed by my family and, <laughs> and went into that thing. And I hadn't really looked at why or what they're going to ask or what I should be prepared for. Just sort of went in and thought, oh, see what happens. I'll have a chat. And I remember sitting in the waiting room before I went in thinking, God, I wish I'd done some work on this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I had to keep my jacket on because I'd sweated right through my shirt. I went in there and it's supposed to be an hour interview. The two ladies I, I went in with introduced themselves and they were lovely. Made me feel really comfortable. We proceeded to answer one or two questions and then they asked, what was the last book you read? And I was like, oh, it's kind of embarrassing. But over the whole Christmas holidays, I just binge read the whole Harry Potter series again. And then we talked about Harry Potter for about 45 minutes and the interview was over. <laughs> well, what a qualification. You can just wave your wand rather than being a physician. Well, that would be fantastic. <laughs> You're now on a cadetship through the New South Wales Rural Doctors Network. Can you explain what that is and how you're fitting in with it? Yeah, so the, the RDN cadet program gives med students from like a, a rural background $15,000 a year for the last two years of your degree. And that's sort of tax-free, money in hand. The sort of only stipulation is that you commit to working two of your first three years post-grad in a rural area, which basically means west of the divide. I was going to do that anyway. I wasn't sort of raised a coastal person. You sort of say like mid-north coast, but our farm was a good hour west of Kempsey up in what we call upriver. Lots of hillbillies up there, such as myself. And my wife's from Mudgee. We sort of like Dubbo and that area up there. I went to Farrah in Tamworth for four years. It was pretty good. So that's always what I was going to do. So if someone wants to give me some money to do that, stoked. And how would you describe your journey through medical school? And was it what you expected? And did having the cadetship change the journey for you, do you think? Oh, absolutely. So I probably sounded a little bit flat about RDN. I'm a huge advocate for RDN. What they're doing is fantastic. And I think aside from the money that made it possible for me to not eat Aldi two-minute noodles for two years, they treat you like a valued person. I think often the experience you get when you are at university as a student is that you know the uni doesn't seem to value you all that much. You're kind of their meal ticket and not much else. It's different a bit at a rural clinical school, the sort of staff here know you personally and care about you. But the uni as a whole, so like when we go and do trips to Sydney for anatomy classes and stuff like that, you go into a sort of hostel room that's not very nice and travel around on cattle class. RDN was the first time, going to like the cadet weekend with RDN was the first time in the medicine program. I was like, holy shit, these people actually value me as a person for what I've chosen to do 
we expected to go to the cadet weekend. I think I expected to do the whole hostel thing and catch buses and, you know, they were happy to pay us our fuel to drive down there and we get to the apartments and they were beautiful. It was just a big wake-up moment for me to say, like, oh, these people think that I'm worth something. So I was very thankful for that. But as far as the effect that RDN and getting the cadetship had on me monetarily, through the first four years of med school, I still worked part-time as a boilermaker. (laughs) I would sort of work 7 to 11 down the street, and then it was a five-minute walk up to uni. So I'd walk up to uni for all my afternoon classes and then catch up on the morning lectures that night. Still in your overalls? So it's a funny story, yeah. I would come up in my high-vis shirt all tattered and... (laughs) dirty about halfway through first year we had some second years join us from sydney and they're good friends of mine now but they were sitting waiting in class and robert oakshot and i walked in so rob obviously is a med student graduating with us and i was in my high vis so I kind of walked in together and they sort of admitted to thinking like oh you know there's a, a tradie coming in and that old guy's obviously the lecturer or the tutor <laughs> and we both walked in and sat down like in the student seats. They were very confused. The man that's come in to fix the air conditioning has just come in and sat down. What a bludger. <laughs> You're about to soon start a new journey in Dubbo. Tell us about that and what led you there. So I decided to go to Dubbo for a few reasons. I have some friends in Dubbo. Shout out to Jay Neville and, and Jean Littlewood. But I also did a month-long elective placement in Dubbo Emergency Department at the start of this year. And I just had a great time. I'd sort of worked that two till 10 afternoon shift, left early most days as you do as a student. But I stayed with Jay and Jean and just had a great time. I really enjoyed the, just the, the size of the hospital is similar to Port Macquarie. The ED department seemed to function really well. It was a nice design. They had plenty for me to do and they appreciated that I was there. Instead of that sort of feeling as a student you often get, you walk in and people are like, oh, we've got to look after a student or we've got to find him something to do. They're enthusiastic. They're stoked that a student wanted to come out to Dubbo and wasn't just sort of sent there. Pretty well everyone I talked to sort of took me under their wing and showed me how to do things and, and took risks like letting me actually go and see their patient rather than what normally happens where we have to sit in a corner and watch them work up a patient. So I had a really good experience out there and obviously Dubbo is one of the five hospitals I could go to with my RDN cadetship. And so I talked to my wife about it. She was very happy to go to Dubbo. She's from Mudgee. It's a nice area. Her family is still in Mudgee. So that was it. I thought that will go my first preference. Then the other preferences I had were based on what I'd seen on the RDN cadet weekends, so Orange and Aubrey, and then also Wagga because my dad lives in Daniloquin, and if I worked in Wagga, I could go out and do terms in Denny, another place where I did an elective. I love Denny. Fantastic place. Somewhere like Denny is where I want to end up working. If I were to be considering taking on an RDN cadetship or taking part in the cadetship program, what advice would you give to me? I think anyone who has a passion for rural medicine, which in my experience, most people have some level of passion for rural medicine. And if they don't, it's because they haven't seen it. Rural medicine is so rewarding and just an enjoyable career to go out and just see what people with 
poor access make do with? And the level of medicine is quite high. If you don't have an MRI scanner or you don't have ultrasound techs on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, your clinical skills are so important. You may not be the one actually doing the procedures. You've got to stabilize people and send them elsewhere. But that's also like a bit of a false equivalency because if you work in a big hospital, you're not triaging that person in ED and going and performing their operation and looking after them afterwards. Your only chance to get that sort of variety is in a rural area. So rural medicine, if you want to be a generalist and you, you want to be involved in sort of a larger picture of people's health journey, it's got to be rural. That was Dr Nicholas Island, RDN cadet at Port Macquarie Health. We trust you've enjoyed this episode of Destination Medicine, a joint project of the regional training hubs. The hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.